This is a journey into sound. I know what you pinko, heavy metal weirdos do. You are locked into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned. Fuck the mainstream. So, all right. Hey, this is World Ain from Sanctuary. You're listening to MSR Rock Out with your fucking geek out. Can I say fuck?
Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of MSRCast. I have with me this evening, Warl Dane from the Reunited Sanctuary. How are you doing, sir? It's not a, reu- it's not a reunion. It's a reinvention. Reinvention. I'm, I, I stand corrected. I apologize. <laughs> no, that, that's kind of my blanket answer for, for everything, anyways, <laughs> right now. So uh, let's get into a little bit of the history. For the fans that are listening that might not know, uh, tell me a little bit about the, the formative days of Sanctuary. Um, oh, God, you remind me of this German guy that said, tell me about the creation. <laughs> <laughs> um, the formative days, oh, good God, we were all just kids in Seattle growing up together, kind of, and uh, Lenny's here. You want you want to chime you want to chime in a little bit, buddy? Hi, how are you? Hello, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. Formative days. Uh, I don't know. You know, we uh, we like, we kind of started the whole thing out with uh, me and my cousin Sean. You know, we were always uh, always wanted to be in a band called Sanctuary. You know, we uh, were kind of that was just our goal. And um, you know, we we. For the longest time, we just kept searching for the right people, and eventually we found Worrell. Uh, we stole Worrell, I think, kind of from another you, band. You stole me from Serpent's Night. Yeah. Yeah. And then, He's still bitter about that, too. <laughs> okay. Anyway. And then after that, we you know we started. Uh, we basically just locked ourselves into a rehearsal room and started uh, jamming for uh, got a couple years. And when that um, when I guess the big break everybody knows about is Dave Mustaine producing the album. How did that big break? Do you did you know what was happening at the time? Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to know the story or uh, sure he, yeah. he can tell you the story. He's because he was there. I wasn't there when it happened. Yeah, you know it's it's weird because I remember pretty well that you know we had a. We had a, a, a demo tape. We had like a nine-song demo tape that basically ended up becoming Refuge Denied. And um, I remember that when uh, Megadeth and King Diamond came into town, and you know, I was telling the guys, it's weird because you know you wouldn't think this would ever happen, but I was telling the guys that, hey, I'm going to take this tape and I'm going to meet Dave Mustaine, and which sounded crazy because I mean, I mean, I don't even know how it happened, but you know, I, I I went down to the show, and of course, I had a hard time getting backstage. Nobody would let me backstage. There was no way there, you know, I was going to you know have any chance of meeting him. But I happened to be um, behind the venue. And I heard him talking about where Dave Mustaine was staying, and um, we went to the hotel and basically walked every floor until we found the loudest room. And um, me and my buddy had a couple girls with us, and the door happened to be open a little bit. And they, had, we, they had big tits, by the way. <laughs> and we just kind of... That, that's how they got in. <laughs> we pushed the door open, and the girls went in first and distracted Everybody and uh, <laughs> we walked in and, and uh, I saw Dave Mustaine over in the corner and you know I was a little bit apprehensive at first of course because he's kind of got a bit of a reputation and he saw me we kind of locked eyes and he's like hey get over here and we started talking and he's like hey you want some cavassia you know we started drinking having a good time and eventually we got to the point where I convinced him to come down to the car and listen to the demo and he loved it so. Now, going back after um, the two albums and all the success that you guys had, what led to the band sort of splitting up at the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we just we just got tired of each other for a while. I don't know. Yeah, it um, was it was like a marriage gone bad. Yeah, trapped in a sexless marriage. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not that I wanted to do any of them anyway, but... The five ways just weren't <laughs> happening anymore. And how long has this idea of the reinvention of the band been going on? When did it decide, okay, let's let's get the band back together? It, it was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Jeff was playing in Sanctuary, and, you know, when, when Sean Blosel left anyway, and it was kind of... An, an easy transition to think about doing it again with Jeff, which he did. And yeah, I mean, this has been going on for a few years. So all the ideas have been brewing and they've been festering more than anything. But I, I, I think it all came out to a really good end result. Yeah, we, we started kind of, you know, talking a lot back in uh, 2010. We'd, we'd always kind of thrown around ideas about, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got together again? And, you know, I think all of us kind of never really considered it, you know, actually happening. But in 2010, we decided to get together and jam. And, and we had such good chemistry, like back in back in the day. We were just like, hey, let's... let's Let's, uh, let's continue doing this and play some shows and and then we started writing and and it felt good and it felt right and um yeah, out pops an album <laughs> how do you uh think the sanctuary in 2014 is different than the band that was left in the early 90s sounds it sounds like it could have been written back in the day but the production is much more modern the guitar sound is more modern for sure and i think that's the main difference the guitar sound is so much better. I mean, if you li- listen to Refuge Denied and then you listen to this one, fuck, it's it's night and day. But, you know, that was 1988 and this is 2014. Do you think people will have some kind of a uh, sort of expectation for how they want the band to sound? Well, they're going to want high screaming and there's a lot of it on this. <laughs> I mean, they're Awesome. It's not it's not the whole record, you know, but the the first three or four songs, I'm I'm pretty much you know, strapping a C clamp onto my nuts <laughs> just just to make sure I can do it. And how long uh, how long did it take for uh, concept to completion for this album? Well, it was a long process. It was definitely a couple of years. Yeah, we're kind of slow. You know, I mean, and it it was you know everybody was kind of involved in a lot of things, but um, we yeah, it was just you know it. You'd, Timing and everything, you know, it just ended up, you know, being done now. I think that if we, uh, I know we're talking about continuing on because we're all having a good time. So the next album will definitely not take, you know, well, it definitely won't be 20 years from now. There won't be a gap. And um, I think, you know, we're shooting for like two years from now to to have another product out. So. And how were those uh, first early reunion shows for you guys? They were fun. They were great. I mean, we it was mainly just festivals. So festivals are weird, so it, it was a little bit goofy. But um, no, it went really well, and we played a couple new songs on the record. Um, and ironically, the songs that we were playing at these early shows are definitely not the best ones that are on the record. No, I mean, they're still great songs, but um, I mean, you'll know when you hear the whole thing, obviously. I don't know. Have you heard the whole thing? Are, are they? Did they give it to you? No, not yet. Fuck. Um, you want? Yes. D- d- yeah. I, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta find out why we're doing interviews with people that haven't heard it. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I would give it to you right now if I could, but I can't. 
I'm I'm hearing it in my mind though. <laughs> is that is that standard for U.S. Because it seemed like like all the European um, journalists we talked to, they had it. Yeah, the all the part. European guys have it. But then all, all the U.S. Them. guys don't don't seem to have it for some. I don't know, man. I wish I could answer that question. I would definitely love to hear before the interview. <clears throat> well, so um, we can always. Hey, dude, when you when you finally get it, we can always do another one. Definitely, man. We'll if, definitely if, invite you back if you want to, for sure. So oh, definitely, man. Just know that that's there. <laughs> so uh, this question is for Worrell. Um, I'm here. Yeah. What is your uh, your writing process for lyrics and stuff like that? What inspires you? I don't know what inspires me. I think that a lot of the time I get inspired by dreams because I dream really heavy. I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing or whatever the fuck it is, but when I go to sleep, I dream constantly, and that's really what inspires me. Do you do you remember a lot of that stuff, and you just wake up and write it I straight wake, down? Or? I wake up and write them down. Amazing. Yeah. So, so let's talk. Let's talk about the new album now. Um, the year the sun died is the name of the album. Um, tell me what you can about the album since I haven't heard it. Um, it sounds like an absolute natural progression from Into the Mirror Black, and I'm very proud of it because, you know, you can say it's a comeback album, whatever. It sounds really fresh. It sounds new. Um, and I think a lot of that is just modern production style. But, um, no, it really does. And I think you're going to like it. If you're a fan of the old school, you're, you're going to like it. It's the heaviest six-string album ever recorded. And I, I will go on record as saying that. <laughs> and that's not a slam on Jeff Loomis. <laughs> Um, uh, so how was it working with, uh, Travis Smith again on the artwork? Oh my God. I love him. He has the, the most, most perfect talent for translating my lyrics into artwork. And that, that I think is important for artwork. Um, and the artwork is, the, the album cover is really good, but it's not the best thing that he did. <laughs> I mean, it is everything he did was really good, so it, it's kind of, kind of like um, the artwork from Dead Heart. Um, there's tons of great shit in it that you know you, you'll you'll see it and you're gonna find one thing you think is the best or one thing you don't like, whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, Travis is a great artist. That's what I really like about, you know, people that use Travis Smith, it's it's a full, uh, you know, visual experience because a lot of people just download now and they don't get to look through the booklet and look through a, a vinyl, which gives you that completely different experience. Exactly. Um, I think that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I would love to buy records on vinyl and just open them up and look at all the artwork. And that's kind of a lost thing right now. And there, there's a whole generation of kids that don't know what that experience was. Exactly. And yeah, what can you do about that except just make great artwork, work with great people, and hopefully they'll see CD booklets that are smaller, but you know, still <laughs> kind of the same thing.
Let me ask you this, and, and sort of in that in that same topic, it's what do you feel about um, how music has become so digitally oriented now? Um, I prefer analog sound to digital, uh, and I think that's for obvious reasons. Um, you know, music has changed. You know, when I was a kid and I first started out in in this band, you know, we were working with tape, and you know, our producer was frickin' slicing and copying parts, but it was different. It, the sound is much more warm. It's much more personal. 
digital is cold. And there's a beauty to that as well. But there is beauty within everything. And I think that people that know how to marry digital and analog sound are going to be the ones that are successful in transitionary periods like this. So, uh, let's see. Can you tell me about your uh, vocal performance on this album? What kind of... Where were you trying to push yourself vocally? Um... I was trying not to sound like Nevermore, <laughs> but I, I guess that's a little bit difficult since I did so many records with Nevermore. Uh, but also at the same time, I was mindful that people want to hear high shit. So, I mean, the, the first th two or three songs, I'm, I'm singing pretty fucking high on parts. And I knew I had to anyway. And I think that um, this music is much more appropriate for that vocal approach than Nevermore was. So, yeah, that that's kind of the way I looked at it. How did you uh, get back into that? Did you have to retrain yourself to hit those notes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it wasn't easy. And um, it, it, it's kind of this one thing, you know, it's kind of like working out. If, if you don't work out consistently, you you can't do it as effectively. So I had to I had to practice a lot. And it was a good thing. It was definitely a good thing and I still do it. So let's get into some of your uh, influences um and what do you listen to? What kind of what kind of music really gets you going? Oh fuck, it, dude. I listened to the new Opeth today. Oh my god, it's fucking brilliant. Agreed. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah, but it, it does. It sounds. But my favorite Opeth is "My Arms Your Hearse," and this sounds nothing like it. It's just all prog rock. But you know, mm -hmm. you know, bands grow and change, and I I know that because I'm a musician. But oh my god, that is great. Um, when I'm at home, I listen to a lot of Machine Head. Um, so let's go into a. This is the part of the show where I'm going to actually let you program some of the music that we play. Oh. Um, Awesome. Please, if you pick out a couple of tracks that really influenced you over the years, and uh, maybe a couple things that are brand new that you want people to check you out. Uh, Davidian from Machine Head. Um, I, I love that first album, man. Um, Lazarus from Porcupine Tree. Uh, and that, that's a mellow one, obviously, but still, it's freaking great. Oh, boy. How many more songs do you need? Whatever you want, man. This is your time. Okay. Um... Priest, Judas Priest, fucking from Unleashed in the East. It has to be the live record, Victim of Changes. Um, let's see. Concrete Blonde, a song called Bloodletting from their from that record called Bloodletting. And, I don't think and, I've ever I've never played that band on the show. Uh, well, it's it's not really metal, but. She is one of the best singers in the world, this girl. Her name's Jeanette Napolitano, and I, abso yes. I absolutely fall to my knees and worship her. If, if I ever saw her, that's what I would do. <laughs> um, you know, she's, she's a really hot... Well, she's not really hot, but anyway, you probably get what I'm saying. Definitely, man. It's, it's her, so, her voice is pure sex. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean. So uh, let's get into these tracks, and we'll be right back to MSRCast. All right, man. <laughs> 
All right, everybody, welcome back to MSRCast. I have the pleasure to have with me Warl Dane from Sanctuary. Um, and we just play some tracks that you uh, that you really dig. So um, one of the other shows that we do is called Metal Geeks Podcast, where we not only geek out on metal stuff, but like comic books and video games and other things like other sorts of geekery like that. What do you geek out on? <laughs> what do I? World of Warcraft. Really? I'm sorry. I had to stop. <laughs> I had to stop because I stayed up for two days, and then I knew I had a problem. It's like crack. Uh, I I've, I never started because I know I, my addiction would be too great for it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, what else do I geek out on? Um, I'm a I'm a comic nerd too. Are you really? Yeah, kinda. I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy last night, and it was fucking killer. <laughs> it's yeah, they did an amazing job. No, it was great. It was really fucking good. I didn't really expect it to be that good, but it, it was. Did you know the uh, series before you you saw it? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I've never heard of this before, but this movie was amazing. <clears throat> Yeah, I didn't expect the raccoon to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> that, that that was the main bone of contention for a lot of people is, oh, how are they going to pull that off? But yeah, it worked. Yeah, I mean, everything in the in that movie worked really, really well. It, I mean, it's a, it was a modern day Star Wars in the Marvel universe. Well, actually, yeah, and or Firefly. Just, it just made me want to do Zoe Saldana even more when she was green. <laughs> Right, she's been blue and green and all the colors in between. Um, so let's get back to the metal. Um, what is the metal scene uh, in Seattle like these days? You know, the metal scene is pretty good. It's it's vibrant. There's a lot of good bands. Uh, there's a good band called Drawn and Quartered. Um, there's a good band called Mechanism. You know, I'm gonna everybody's gonna mad, get mad at me when I forget them right now. But um, <laughs> those are the two that come to mind. Um, it's good, for the most part. <laughs> so let's go, go back a little bit into those days when, I guess, I'm going to use the quotes here, quote-unquote, grunge got super big, and, you know, that originated from Seattle. How do you think that really affected the metal scene, and how long, or what took so long for the metal scene to really bounce back? Um, Grunge definitely had a big effect on the on the metal scene. Um, I can tell you a good story that's really fucking funny. Definitely, man. The, this this bar that I was working at right about that whole time when it happened, I was hanging out hanging out after getting off work, and uh, I met this girl. And I'm like, can I buy you a drink? Sure, yeah. So I sat down and I was hanging out with her. And uh, we were talking for a long time. I thought I was going to get a little something. Didn't work out after that, but we'll get into that now. Um, She eventually said, "Are you are are you in a band? Because you got you you've got long hair." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in a band." Well, what kind of music do you play? Metal. And she looked at me and said, "How can you fucking admit that?" Wow. And I worked there, and that's when I said, bitch, get the fuck out of my bar. I'm 86-ing you. You're no longer allowed here, ever. 
so I 86'd her. <laughs> and it, that was just the weirdest experience because metal was a fucking dirty word for a long time. Unfortunately, yeah. And it no longer is. But there was a couple of bands that came from. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention one, of course, Alice in Chains. That sort of transcended that, you well, know, that metal and grunge and all that stuff. Chains is the most metal of any of that era. And oh yeah. I still love them, and I still listen to them. And they're 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 the exception from that whole thing. Yeah, the first time I ever saw them was opening up for Anthrax and Megadeth and Slayer, so that tells you something right there. Exactly. Um, so you you guys have some uh, more live dates planned in November. What else can we look forward to with your touring plans? Well, we're doing, yeah, the, the, our record release show is um, the 14th of November in Seattle, and then 15th in Vancouver, 16th, Portland, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> But after that, I'm not really sure what our tour plans are. We're we're doing um we're doing a festival in, next week in um in Germany, headlining it. So I mean, it, it, it uh, obviously when when the record comes out, the ball is going to start rolling harder than it mm -hmm. is right now. Are you um, anticipating or wanting to do like a full U.S. type of tour? Of course, of course. <clears throat> I think that we we're we're gonna maybe try to focus on doing an East Coast tour too. At least New York and Chicago are are really important markets, so um I think we're gonna look at that and then try to build off that and not sure when that when that'll be, but So one of my one of our listeners and I guess friend of the show, uh, William Bozars, wanted me to oh, ask Jesus. you this question. I love that. Guy. I know. I love. Oh that yeah. Guy. He's been on my. He's been on here many many times. He wanted to know when you guys are touring with him. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's crazy. He writes crazy squirrel stories. Exactly. He does. <laughs> well, obviously you know him. Yeah, he's a cool dude. But yeah, he wanted me to ask you that. <laughs> um, so back to you. Uh, do you have any more plans for, uh, when you have time off, of course, for like another solo release? Yeah, of course. Yeah, How, any, any, any far into that process or is it just down the road? Well, uh, the, the label has got me convinced to do uh, a record of cover songs and I'm, I'm selecting them right now. Oh. <clears throat> so it's going to be like kind of in the vein of Lucretia or Sounds of Silence, every song is going to be like a reinterpretation. And yeah, that, that, that's beyond that. That's uh, all I've planned. And that'll, that should be pretty easy. Any hints to any uh, songs you've, you've been looking at? Oh, I'm not telling you yet, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I can tell you the first one. It's barrel of a gun to Pesh mode. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm down for that. Go, uh, go on, go online and look at that song. That is a fucking freaking brilliant song it really is it doesn't yeah that's one of my favorite tracks from them really yes definitely cool <laughs> um so who would be that one artist that's you know around now that if you could find time to write and record an album with who would who would you do paul simon. who would that be paul simon wow it'll it'll never fucking happen <laughs> and that's that's just my personal fantasy <laughs> So um, winding down here for this episode, uh, 
I got to ask you this last question. Um, what are you the goals for Sanctuary, and, and more importantly for yourself for the next year or so? Um, my goals for Sanctuary is to bring us to the next level and to make us the band that we didn't become back in the day. And I think that's going to happen with this new record because it's fucking really good. And at my age, I am so proud that I produced a record that I can say, oh my God, this might be the best thing I've ever done. It, it, it's kind of weird, dude. It's, it's kind of freaking me out. That's great, man. So um, any final comments you would like to make to the fans? Start your own religion because the ones we have now just don't fucking work. True that. True to that. <laughs> and that's my blanket statement, but it is actually true. Cool. Well, thank you very look, much look for your time. Look what, Go ahead. look what's going on in, in fucking America right now. People don't need religion. They need hope. And what's going on in Ferguson is so fucked up. And yeah. And it, it's not about race. It's about politics. Oh, it just makes me sick. It makes me sick in my heart, in my soul. And I just, I, if I could change things, I would, but I can't. All we can do is try to be better people. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Emma Sarcast. And the thing I'd like to say to all my fans and all the guests that come on, keep it metal. Stay metal. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, man.
Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MSRcast.com. Metal or die, let's do metal all the time. Yeah!